This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Down around by Americans. Hopefully better than Hodgkinson. Down around by Americans. Hope they're all Hello and welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. It's just me, Matt Shaw, and my guest is the former president of one of the FC Cincinnati supporters groups and Huddersfield Town fan, it's Samantha Young. Um, what we'll do is we'll chat a little bit about American fan culture, US-style ownerships, and chat many things as, as town fans await the arrival of Kevin Nagel. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm sitting in my little flat in Hebden Bridge at the moment. Nice area, isn't it? So you're just over visiting at the minute, but you are actually an authentic American Huddersfield Town fan, aren't you? I am. We, uh, My husband and I are both huge fans, and we live in Ohio. So we are only here on a little holiday away for our five-year anniversary. Very nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, okay, I thought what would be a good place to start, Sam, is if you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your football journey, if you like. Um and how you arrived at being a fan of our lovely football club, Huddersfield Town. I can do that. So uh, I began playing football when I was very young. Um, and I started out as a fullback and ended up playing keeper for some time um, and then stopped growing at five foot one. So, um, yeah. I know that pain. Yeah, I know that pain very well as a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah so I wasn't exactly professional, but um, I loved it. Um when FC Cincinnati began, it was, um, what was uh, the USL League. So it was a professional team, but a, in a lower level in America. So um, I, by happenstance, started following the team and ended up as a season ticket holder from day one and um, have followed their journey through to the MLS. And um, from there, I ended up starting and helping form a supporter group in the Dayton, Ohio area, which is where we currently reside. Um, it's about an hour north of Cincinnati. So all of us, we, we travel about an hour each way for our, um, our season, our season card matches. 
And um, then as far as Huddersfield Town, so um, around the 2016 time frame, I met my now husband. Um, he he had been watching Huddersfield Town since it was uh, free in America to watch at the time when they were on their run for promotion. Uh, so I started really following them after um, being glued to the TV with uh, Kyle watching uh, Schindler Schindler kick his his uh, his ball in, and uh, I didn't know if I would be a full town fan the way Kyle was, and it wasn't until the Laurent Depatra goal against Chelsea when I stood up and yelled in the middle of my corporate office job that I realized that I was just as smitten with town as he was. It's so. <laughs> That's that's where we are. <laughs> that's good. So I was going to ask you actually your favorite Huddersfield Town moments. Um, I, I, I would could probably say, guess a couple from, yeah, from that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Patrigal is certainly one of my favorites. Um, I've been to two matches. Uh, we actually spent our honeymoon in Yorkshire area and went to two town matches. So I've seen them play Barnsley, Middlesbrough. Um, we got four points from those two matches, so I consider myself to be lucky. Um, it was during the Cali era, so that was that was interesting. So anytime I got to actually see the cow shed, uh, that would be a favorite. But also that Lawrence Potter goal is just a, a turning point in my fandom, so I'll, I'll talk about that. Also, anytime that Fraser Campbell beat someone up and then smiled about it, because that smile of his just killed me every time so funny a yeah, very lovely assassin isn't he Fraser Campbell, <laughs> if you like. um yeah so tell me about um your also i'm gonna say if you're lucky as well we might have to fly you in for the reading game on the last game of the season if it comes to it we, we take all the luck we can get but tell me about your role at fc cincinnati then because things snowballed a little bit didn't you from being a season card holder onto other things so just let me know what or let everyone know what um what role you took yeah so um, FC Cincinnati is unique even within the MLS landscape in that we have multiple supporter groups. So rather than the cow shed loyal all as one, um, we have multiple groups that uh, do their own thing. They have their own niche maybe. And then we all come together on match day. We all decorate the, the stadium and do our, our pieces together. So, my journey specifically, um, Hangar 937 being a little bit farther away, um, we hosted parties for the away matches. So we had a supporter bar in Dayton where um, anytime there was an away match, we would host a gathering. And then on home matches, we also had our own area where anyone from Dayton would come and park and hang out. And then um, one thing that's very uh, indicative of FC Cincinnati is the supporters march into the stadium every match. So uh, our cow shed is called the Bailey. And um, the entire mass group is about 3000 in the stand. And the same marches in every match from a park called Washington Park up into the stadium and around with drums and smoke and all kinds of wonderful theatrics um yeah so for, you, uh, for me yeah. it was really about the uh 
it was, it was about getting other fans from my area together to be able to uh, enjoy matches. That's quite interesting because th- that culture's kind of prevalent in Europe, isn't it? With the, the marches into the stadium, more so sort of maybe Eastern Europe, well, sort of Germany as well. And, and well, Germany's not Eastern Europe, is it? But sort of East of the UK, if you like. Um, but in in Great Britain, in Scotland and England, it's not as as popular. We've had a few marches at Huddersfield before. There's been one or two and they've always looked pretty good, but the they tend to be sort of few and far between. And I don't think I've been to many away matches where they've, they've done the marching as well. It's, it's a sort of very different places is the UK for football, I think to a lot of the rest of the world. And it'd be quite interesting really to know what the differences are really. Obviously you've been to watch Huddersfield. You've been to watch Cincinnati quite a lot. And the differences between the UK and US fan culture. So obviously with Cincinnati being in the MLS and away games and not just, 30 miles or 50 kilometers or whatever down the road, are they? They're, they're sort of across a, a con- you know, across the country, aren't they? Which is a lot more difficult to get to than, than say for us. But how does this sort of, how are the differences between the UK and US in terms of how the fans are? I think we have quite a high opinion of ourselves in the UK, which probably isn't always warranted, I think, in some respects. Um, Germany have a fantastic fan culture out there, which is is, is superb. Spain's is a little bit different. Um, so it'd be interesting to know the differences between the UK and US because it, it seems to be as well from the bits I've seen, there are different parts of the US are very different as well. So they all have their own little specifics. And I think sometimes videos are clipped online, aren't they, from the US and then used as as fun to be poked at by accounts over maybe social media accounts in 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 Europe. So what, what have you made of the differences between the two and how would you sort of categorize them? Well, you know, one of the biggest differences I would say within the U S is the fact that football is not necessarily the primary sport. Um, so the one thing that I notice anytime that I come to England is, uh, the wonderful community, uh, feeling no matter which area I'm in and, centered within that community in many aspects are those um, area football teams. Um, in, in America, we have, um, we have teams that are in those more metropolitan areas, um, but we don't have that same sense of community. And we, I believe we certainly have our supporter groups who are trying to bring football to the forefront. So bringing it ahead of the NBA, ahead of the NFL, um, and some of the other uh, big sports that we have. I will say that I believe strongly that football is overtaking uh, MLB baseball um, from a fandom perspective, but we haven't hit the NFL level um, for America. So with that in mind, I believe that the supporter groups work very hard to try to attract more fans. So they're really trying to bring in more and to strengthen that culture within the US. So I can see where there is that little bit of fun poked. And I think in part that's because our supporter culture is a hodgepodge of what we've seen in Europe that's been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to an extent, we, we have our own culture, but our own culture is a combination of what we've seen from from the UK, what we've seen from uh, Germany, what we've seen everywhere, really. 
I think about um, in, in, you know, even in South America as well. So we take some of our influence from that, but um, between the smoke, as I shared, we, so we have a, uh, different flares that are going off every time a goal is scored. Um, one thing that you'll see in uh, American matches in the MLS, as soon as a, a goal is scored, there will be just this thick fog of colored <laughs> smoke over top of the, the, uh, the pitch. And uh, with that aside, then we have um, large flags, for example, that we've seen elsewhere. And everything that I can think of, I'm, and, you know what, I'll, I'll admit that I'm even guilty of this because one thing um, I know is after my first trip to Huddersfield Town and my first two town matches, um, I saw the German wave. And I loved the German wave after the match. And uh, so when I came back to the States, the first thing that I brought up to uh, my peers and to the front office is that at least at FC Cincinnati, there really was no unification of the supporters and the players after a match. And I was showing videos of of Towns German Wave and trying to get them to understand some of that um, that community give and uh, I think mutual respect that comes between the players and the supporter group. So, um, and I am proud to say they started doing something similar this year and I'm sure it has nothing to do with me, but I'm going to let myself think it has take the win. Take that. Yeah. Take the win. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so at least from a, a different perspective between America and Europe, I think part of that you'll see is because it is such a hodgepodge of what we've seen abroad to try to bring as many fans into the culture as possible. Of course. And uh, the MLS is relatively new, isn't it as well in, in terms of sporting, um, well, it, it was it, when was it when did it come in the 1990s? Was that the MLS was rebooted? Was it in, and it then 90, rebooted again? Yeah, mid mid 90s. Yeah, I and I, I suppose I suppose a culture kind of develops, doesn't it? Whereas you know, in you know, for for me, like uh, my great granddad was a was a Huddersfield Town fan, and he saw them over 100 years ago. That's you know, and it and it goes through families and generations and, and things over here. Whereas I guess in, in the States, it's a little bit new in, in some respects, isn't it? So I guess you're still sort of finding your, your way and everything's developing still, isn't it? But that's quite exciting at the same time in that you, you're trying different things and things, some things stick, some things don't. And then you kind of just find your own way and everybody ends up different. And that's what I think is quite interesting about uh, football clubs and the way everybody does things. It's uh, it's definitely very different in from, from sort of Huddersfield to clubs in London if you like uh, over here but um what do you think the UK could take from the US I know you're sort of saying the US takes bits from Europe all over but I'm sure the US have got a lot of things over there that are existing you know you've got the NFL you've mentioned the gridiron stuff the uh, baseball basketball the one thing that people mention in America when they go over and they watch American sports is that the fan experience is really good you know what what do you think the UK could take from the US because I think in terms of the UK, I'm really guilty for turning up to the football five minutes before it starts and then leaving five minutes after and not spending any time around the stadium. You know, what, what would you suggest or what would you say that you've seen um, could be taken to from the US to Huddersfield and, uh, and make a difference? I'd say the, the US 
has a strong culture around pregame uh, pregame festivities, um, and that's and that's not just within the MLS, but also uh, from NFL, NBA, etc. Um, one thing that I loved when I was here last, uh, I was able to partake in some of the festivities at the Gas Club, <laughs> and um, I, I know and. That itself was fun, but um, I think uh, Americans in general will come out maybe six hours before I get a match and start having fun. Um, I would not be shocked if some of the pregame hype was amped up with uh, bringing in Kevin a bit, um, because that just really is a strong tradition it's that idea of uh coming together as a community beforehand um and just getting hyped so um that would be the biggest thing would be the pre-game tradition because mm. you've mentioned there that you you've organized um meetups and, and things like that huddersfield mm-hmm. town doesn't really have um a set uh, bar or club where where fans meet and things and you know the, there's certain things that they're missing we, we used to be able to go to the training facility at Huddersfield which is just just off Leeds Road um not too far from the stadium and that was quite good and then they closed when Huddersfield got to the Premier League that that was closed off and it became a lot more professional if you like and riffraff like me wasn't allowed in and um and then we've we've kind of been a bit homeless I think a lot of people go into the town centre and and filter their way down um, obviously, I've got to say a lot of people should go to Magic Rock Brewing because they're our sponsor. Um, and, you know, I do go there on, on midweek games and that's quite fun. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of um, having a home or or a, or a place to be, if you like, what what benefits would that bring? Or, or if it was sort of Americanized, if you like, what would that, would that entail? Would you sort of have, um, you know, you mentioned away parties in there. It might not translate brilliantly to the uk because i think if a lot of people go to the games but you know what would you sort of suggest would be would be quite a good start point for them? i certainly think having a pre-match meeting place is is paramount to a fun experience um obviously for us we have the away the away match um issue because of distance but at least from a home match perspective one thing that i knew I was going to FC Cincinnati matches prior to even meeting my husband. So I was a single 20s female who just absolutely loved the game. Um, I knew that I could go to this meetup because I would have friends every match that would be turning out at the same location. I was meeting more friends and I was really uh, developing my own circle of um, lovers of the same team. And, um, that sense of community really helped bring more um, bring more fans into the fold, if you will. Mm. Um, those are the times when we would start uh, it, as a supporter group culture. We would do some of the chants, and some of those um, fans who maybe didn't go to every match started learning those chants just by being at some of these pre-match locations. Um, at FC Cincinnati, we have goodness like five or six different bars and areas that we go to. And then the club hosts um, an event of their own on top of it. So um, like for my, myself, I have a two and a half year old daughter and we now will start out at our uh, supporter, supporter area. And then we will go to the club event, which is in a, in a park and 
the, the mascot or will be there and all these different um, stalls and fun little mini games that kids can play and um, a, a really neat fan experience. So um, yeah, I, I would definitely say having, having some, some starting point before the match would be paramount. Mm, I think that's definitely what I just feel lack at the moment. The fan zones tend to be a little bit, I've been a little bit sketchy recently and Huddersfield obviously is a place that that rains quite a lot so standing outside in fan zones cannot always be you know it's not sacrament Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Or shall we say, you know, in terms of the weather. So, you know, there's maybe something that they can look at there. Um, it's funny that you say that. Um, I actually I, I wanted to see the fan zone when I was here last, and both occasions it was right out. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? It's, <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's it's not great. But <laughs> One thing is we've never had a, a non-British owner at Huddersfield Town, which is which is interesting. Um, so we're moving into new territory. I feel like we, we may be moving, or I'm hoping that we're moving from being a local club to maybe an internationally renowned one. Who knows? Um, you've seen the way that we've operated before with mostly a, a single owner approach, whereby um, I wouldn't describe it as totalitarian per se, but it's pretty much what that owner says goes, if you like. Uh, you know, he makes... 100% of the uh, decisions. It's a single point of failure, if you like, in, in some cases like that. Um, and and the sort of the way that they operate is mostly with, uh, you know, most expenditure going into player wages, transfer fees. And how does that differ to the to the United States way? So we have had a, a small window over here with the US owners. You know, I think the, the value of the pound has diminished a lot since a word that I'm not supposed to use on this podcast happened uh so i think the pound to the dollar makes it quite attractive for americans to come and buy english clubs because the value is is the best it's ever been i guess um how would how do the the americans sort of differ in terms of ownership of football clubs like i say we, we've seen liverpool we've seen um burnley we've seen a number of you know they've even started buying in um you know lower down you know gillingham we've seen ryan reynolds is Canadian, but he's bought Wrexham, which is which has been quite fun to watch as well. Um, and and they're all sort of slightly different, but there are certain things that come with American ownerships and certain um, I'm trying to find the word, but the, the sort of certain um, worries, if you like, that come with it. Because I, th- I think everybody kind of goes, and maybe it's unfair in a lot of cases, but it's usually oh, the Americans will buy you. They're always looking to make money, and they're always looking to load debt to to you. And I'll be honest, Huddersfield Town's not a club that makes a lot of money at the minute. So, <laughs> so that's the slight worry is when you don't make a lot of money, you kind of think, well, there's not much profit to be had here. 
Um, how do you think this sort of ownership in America works and how would it be successful if it, if it came to somewhere like Huddersfield? Yeah, I think there are, there are pros and cons um, in, in this situation. So I'll start with one of the biggest pros, which um, would be that from my experience, American owners tend to um, have my, minority owners and sell minority shares rather than, um, as you said, not not to say a total, totalitarian um, <laughs> ownership, but uh, a good example, uh, FC Cincinnati. So um, there was quite a bit of cash that had to be raised in order to even get an MLS bid. So you had to, you had to pay substantially in order to move our team from USL to MLS. On top of that, we had to make a deal to um, build a stadium. In that case, our owner um, sold minority shares and we actually brought in, um, if you've ever heard of, of Meg Whitman. So she is the, uh, she's I think the owner or former owner of Queeby and um, it is uh, involved with Procter and Gamble of all things. Oh, yeah. But um, so woman with a lot of money. Um, so we brought her in on a minority share and that's how um, our ownership was able to then continue on with um, preparing our club for the MLS. Um, so in that respect, it is good because we, they don't shy away from sharing control, I suppose. Would be would be one key piece. Um, you know, on the con side, I I do agree with you that um, American Americans by default, or at least American sports team owners, tend to expect a return on their investment. And um, at, to your point, that's not necessarily the case. It, it may not be the case here. Um, with that in mind. Um, Kevin owns a USL team right now. So he doesn't own an MLS team. That I think is an advantage for town because the USL is not a league that is uh, cash heavy. It's, it's not a league that makes a ton of money. Um, so I don't think we have someone who, um, you know, owned, owned a Liverpool, owned, owned a mass profit club that is now coming in to um, do the same thing at town necessarily. So I, I don't know that we will have, we would have the same issue if say, um, if say we had um, one of our MLS owners that was trying to make a bid over here. Um, I also do like the idea of uh, Kevin having, having been part of Sacramento for the last two years uh, or last few years, I should say because at least he does know some of the game. Um, I don't think he's going to be the, the Chelsea owner coming in asking for a 4-4-3 um, or anything. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not been great, has he, to be honest? <laughs> not, not fabulous from what I understand. So I, th I think in that respect, that could be considered a, a, a bonus. And not to mention, Kevin really did help save the Sacramento Kings from the NBA side. So he's shown commitment to sport and he has shown commitment to football specifically with his um, time in Sacramento. In fact, Sacramento's number one in the USL, um, at least the last power ranking that I saw had them first. But um, Sacramento Kings, I think they were going to move Seattle mm. at some point. So he's, he's had experience 
saving clubs, bailing out clubs, and even if they are, it is NBA, at least from the American side, it's, it's experience around sport. Mm. And obviously that opens doors, doesn't it, to other people as well. Like you mentioned, uh, a lot of American groups tend to not come necessarily by themselves, but like I say, then sell like little, little slots, 10%, 15% here and there. And a lot of it as well I've seen with American clubs is that, you know, the term real estate is mentioned quite a lot as well. And Huddersfield's an interesting area. It's, uh, you know, a post-industrial town. It's got some fantastic buildings, but it's a little bit unloved, shall we, shall we say, um, in some areas, uh, especially the town centre. And that, and that just comes with Northern England, unfortunately, after, you know, the industrial decline. Um, but what that then gives is an opportunity for somebody who has their eye on, you know, building things. And, um, you know, you look at Huddersfield Stadium and there's been a a white elephant, I'll call it, uh, called HD1, which has been mooted since, you know, the early 1990s. They were going to build a ski slope. They were going to build hotels, you know, music venues, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing's ever happened because the private investment for one, you know, for one never really came in. And obviously Kevin Nagel is somebody with different, you know, a black book of different, you know, millionaires, if you like. So, you know, that, that could open those doors as well. So it's, it's interesting. And Huddersfield's, you know, when, you know, it sits in, well, it sits in the metropolitan, metropolitan borough of Kirklees, trying to get the words out of Kirklees. And there's, you know, almost half a million people there. So it's not a small area by any means. And a lot of people tend not to go into Huddersfield per se. They would go into Leeds or Manchester but, you know, if the right things are in place, then, you know, that it could divert the traffic in. So that's an interesting thing, isn't it? That, you know, maybe there's something there in terms of the town that, you know, they can sort of tap into. And, well, and, and, from, and the, from, a, from a town perspective, I will say it is um, very common within, um, within America that these owners are uh, pouring into the communities, um, extra, extra funds and really enlivening the communities that they serve with their football club. So um, for example, FC Cincinnati, they've built pitches all over the um, the inner city for children to play. They're sponsoring, in addition to, to the academy, they're sponsoring um, small-sided teams, um, teams of uh, with coaches who happen to be former players, giving them so many different opportunities. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up seeing a um, a town megastore or something along those lines within the the uh, town square. So that's very that's very traditional, and I would love to I would love to know what the plans in place are for John Smith Stadium, because I, obviously I'm I know that right now that is a a joint ownership endeavor between uh, the Giants town and the council, I believe, um, and. You know, so um, on Thursday, I was lucky enough to receive a tour and meet Andy Booth. And <laughs> the legend, people. yeah. Andy Booth is one of the coolest people ever. Um, I will absolutely. I'd go with that. Yeah, I'd absolutely go with that. Yeah. And one thing that really intrigued me. So um, having been a significant part of supporters group culture with FC Cincinnati during the building of our stadium. Um, I'm very familiar with various aspects of the stadium and got tours of the locker rooms, for example. Um, it's great, it's something that stuck out to me. So uh, I got to see the locker rooms in, uh, in John Smith Stadium and they look identical to the locker rooms that I saw when um, 
when Neil Warnock was coaching uh, and absolutely yelling at, I think it was Andy mm. Booth on a, yeah. <laughs> a video. It's one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Um, but the locker room literally looked like it hadn't changed. And uh, when you go to like FC Cincinnati's, for example, um, what I was told is the, the culture and the understanding there is that facilities need to be absolutely top notch in order for uh, MLS teams to attract international talent and uh, the the right talent that they're looking for. So comparatively um, like in FC Cincinnati's locker room, I saw each person had their own cubby with a safe and all of these, you know, luxury, luxury things, big screens that would pop up out of a cabinet so that you could rewatch plays, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would be interested to know what what plans would be in place should the ownership of John Smith Stadium change and become more in line with town um, specifically and uh, what kind of dollars would be put into that. Uh, another great example, um, Andy Booth shared that I think I want to say it was around an estimate of 25 um, administrative staff um, are in place right now for town. And um, I tell you, I think, I think FC Cincinnati has at least just 10 ticket reps, much less, mm. much less all of the other staff. Um, so um, I could see some increases in maybe some admin jobs and maybe some additional opportunities within the community for some work with town. This is completely okay, that... speculation. I don't know Kevin. Never met mm. Kevin. He's from Minnesota. I, I am not, but uh, just <laughs> just some things that stuck out to myself and to my husband when we when we were looking around. I say we we've never heard much from Kevin Nagel. He kind of, you know, there was um, I think there was it was very under the radar. His his offer. There was two offers, sort of rumored, shall we say that you know we, in in some circles, which are all signed to non-disclosure agreements, so I probably shouldn't mention them in too much detail. Um, but there were two very much at the forefront, which were not him. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, I'm Kevin Nagel. I'm buying Huddersfield Town. And then it disappeared again. And he does he does kind of tweet when Huddersfield are playing. And, and it's kind of, the kind of warm tweets. Me and a friend were discussing the kind of like, um, just the quite nice, if you know what I mean. They're, they're quite really sort of fun to look at rather than serious, you know, and there's, there's sort of like a, a, a warmth to him, you know, when he's tweeting and it's not, not like a naivety or anything, but it's just like a genuine sports fan quite enjoying what he's seeing. And it's, it's quite fun. It's, is he sort of renowned in the U S Kevin Nagel? Cause obviously we don't, we know very little. No, um, not necessarily renowned, but what I will tell you is that Kevin is not from California, even though his, is. uh, his sporting life currently sits in Sacramento. Um, he is from from the upper Midwest, and I, I really do believe it is Minnesota. And I will tell you that people from that area are just genuinely nice and perky and upbeat. So I can see that. I, I truly believe that that really is how he is. But what, at least from what I've seen so far, what I've noticed is his use of verbiage such as town. He he appears to uh, want to acclimate himself to the community um, rather than maybe injecting himself and injecting his 
his own little American persona into town. He's trying to acclimate himself and work himself into blend in with town. And I think that's a positive in itself because this is already a fantastic community and a fantastic club. It doesn't need reworked. It needs the injection to be successful again. Great stuff. Um, I think finally, um, you know, you're a, you're a Huddersfield Town fan. You like to get involved online with stuff. Is there, is there anywhere where people can find you on social media should you wish to be found? Oh, yes. Um, I'm Sandra. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> um, that would be an amazing reveal if that was true. That wouldn't. I'm not in the be. habit of sharing confidences. No. <laughs> um, no. Can, can you tell I, I do like to follow, uh, follow some of the town fans? But yeah, my um, Twitter handle is FCC Dayton Girl. So D-A-Y-T-O-N Girl. Um, because I, I don't know why, but it is. Um, and I will, I would love to chat with any town fans. I can tell you stories um, about the goofiness of the MLS and how our, um, our rosters work and how, actually, I can't tell you how they work because they're so crazy. Tam, Gam, I, I don't know, all this allocation money craziness. I can tell you um, why I'm very thrilled that, uh, the potential future owner of town is not Dutch, um, not because of anything that has to do with the Dutch themselves, but because uh, FC Cincinnati had a Dutch general manager and then hired Yapstam and mm. went through like the three worst years of football I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Um, He's never recovered since Wembley 2017, I don't think, as Yapstam. Actually, do we have time for a quick story on that one? Of course, yeah. So, so when Yapstam was hired, he uh, allowed, and it was actually during the COVID and everything, and he allowed a virtual uh, meet the fans thing. So you had to, you to register. I, I got in. I was one of the ones that was allowed on. Um, it happened to be the anniversary of Wembley, which is hilarious anyway. Um, so I decided to wear my Huddersfield Town kit because why not? I was able to ask a question. So I, when it was my turn, I, you know, he, he saw my kit and just kind of looked at me and uh, I asked him if we could, uh, I asked him about Danny Williams and if we could sign Danny Williams. That, that was my thing. Really, I just needed to get on so he could see my kit, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Danny Williams, what a player as well. Um, Sam, it's been fun um hopefully we'll catch you back over here next time you come for a town game as well but thank you very much for for this and you know hopefully uh all goes well with the uh, the american ownership no thank you for having me and to conclude up the town Looking down a dirty old window Down below on Bradley Mills Road The cars rush around I'm parking me things And I'll leave the ground Thursday morning everyone's reading That it's time for a Huddersfield Ownership turnaround I no longer own Huddersfield Town the town the Town. We'll make it in 
What's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 